Father, we love you and thank you for such another beautiful day and uh, for the privilege to gather like this. It's the middle of the week and we're anxious and tired and ready for the weekend as always. But um, I pray you just help this to strengthen us that we can um, make it through the next two days with courage and faithfulness. And um, <clears throat> pray that you would, uh, as always, just strengthen us spiritually as we come together and um, try to fulfill your purposes for us and as the church I think this is really how you strengthen us the most and give us the most grace is when we're together as the body of Christ and so I pray that you would just continue to do that and um, Lord that you would um, bless all our families and take care of them and our children as they're all growing up and um, school's about out and everything that's um, going to bring or the summer's going to bring to us, we just pray that um, you would protect us all and, and uh, let that be good. And Lord, bless all these names that were mentioned. We continue to pray for Randy that you would um, heal his body and Lord, that you would just um, strengthen him and encourage him and um, continue to pray for uh, all the people that we've been mentioning, um, like Mom Mac and um, G-Mom and Jacqueline. I just pray that you would bless them and continue to take care of them as well and my dad and um, hopefully that he can come home soon and that he'll be good while he's there and uh, it'll be where we where he can stay and um, we also pray for Rob Golden and that you would heal him from the surgery and that you would just bless his family and, uh, and their loss and everything that's going on and I um, uh, pray that you would just uh, forgive us of our sins we know that you do in Christ and we trust you for that and we thank you for it and we pray all this in his name Amen Did you say Rob had surgery or just his grand his grandmother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. After I prayed about that. All right. Well, um, last week we started this section on sanctification, and it's very good. Um, I think it helps define it so wonderfully well, along with the section. Uh, chapter 16 on good works which I may refer back to in a little bit I think it really gives us a lot of insight into what um, the Christian life is to look like and what it's going to look like and what exactly God um, has done for us not only in salvation and justification but also in sanctification because it's important living out our faith and um, even though we don't want to be, sometimes we're all a little bit works oriented. We feel like we got to do stuff, and there ought to be something done, and that's true. But um, trying to get all that in the right order and understanding it correctly will keep us from heresy. Because what has happened in the over history is that that always morphs into well, then I'm going to do something, then God's going to accept me for what I do, and then one day I'll be rewarded for that ultimately. And uh, and really, that that heresy has come back around again, even in so-called evangelicalism, where people think that they believe not in a progressive sanctification, but even a progressive justification, so that your sanctification leads to justification and uh, a final justification. And there's some very popular people who believe that, um, the likes of John Piper and um, 
um, some others who teach that, and it's kind of frightening thought. So uh, I've, I've said before, we've 500 years from the Reformation, and we've almost all turned around and become Catholic again. And um, it's kind of sad, but uh, we have to watch that and guard against it. And that's one of the reasons I so try to teach these kind of things as holistically as possible and keep teaching on them because I really want to make sure that we have it correctly because justification brings so much assurance for us in resting in Christ. And this fact that we're united to Christ that we started talking about last week, um, that's such a comforting thing. But if you start adding works in there as if you have to do something to please God in a way to almost earn that righteousness or in such a way as that, hey, God, look at me, how fruitful I am and how good I am. Those things start, all of a sudden you're running after that as opposed to running from who you are in Christ. You're running towards something rather than, um, and when I say running from something, I mean like running out of something. You're not running away like you're scared, but I mean we turn from what we are in Christ produces the things that we do. Instead, we say we're going to produce some stuff and then God's going to be pleased. And so I want to make sure we get that in the correct order. Um, and I think that our uh, confession does a great job um, doing that for us. And I've got to get back to it. Here we go. So back to section one, and uh, and we'll move on. I, I, we spent a lot of time here last week. But I just think it's important to keep it in its context. Those who are united to Christ, and there's that idea that um, that unification, um, being in Christ, and um, that's where our assurance comes from, our rest comes from, that's where our works come from, everything. But those who are united to Christ and effectually called and regenerated have a new heart and a new spirit created in them through the power of Christ's death and resurrection. They are also further sanctified really and personally through the same power by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed and the various evil desires that arise from it are more and more weakened and put to death. At the same time, those called and regenerated are more and more enlivened and strengthened in all saving graces so that they practice true holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, I love, and there's all those verses right there, uh, and I'm going to read one of them to you, that these, this chap, this uh, paragraph comes from. But I love this idea that it is okay, and I think it's proper to be able to look and see this truth in your life. Has God destroyed the dominion of sin in my life? I mean, I think that's a good thing to stop and consider. Have the evil desires that come from my flesh have they at least been more and more weakened? And some of them even put to death? Now again, I don't think when you, if you're not careful in your flesh, you'll look at those and you'll start saying, man, I'm doing, I'm pretty dang good. I know a lot of people this ain't true about. I'm doing good. And again, I think uh, we have to be careful about this lone wolf Christianity. All this stuff that we look at and think, I'm going to make myself better. I'm going to become a good Christian. I'm going to become better. Always thinking in the terms of the body. We're all part of the same body. So everything that God gives to us 
is not just to make us good, make us better, and sanctify us, but it's sanctifying the whole body, right? All of us together at one time. Um, so it's it's not uh, just always keep that in mind. But I love the fact that the the confession points this out. This idea that things are more and more weakened. Because sometimes you get frustrated. Why do I still have this sin in my life? Why do I still struggle with this sin? Well, maybe you can look at it this way. Well, is it at least is it at least more weakened than it was? You know, is it at least not I'm not in bondage to it? I mean, I see that it's still my flesh, it wells up in my flesh, even if it's just a thought. But hopefully you can see that. I don't think that's sinful. Um to look at your life and see those things and see, man, God, look what God has done. Just have to be careful and not think, man, look what I've done. Boy, since becoming a Christian, man, I've really been getting... No, man, God really is doing what He's promised. He's He's putting sin to death in my life. I am regenerated. He is enlivening me, strengthening me, and saving graces. And uh, again, our, our, um, our confession points out in several places... There are times that's weaker and times it's stronger, right? And and that's just the way it is. But um, I think this is a great thing to look at. One of, This passage was uh, one of them right there, Ephesians 3. It's Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. In verse, begins, I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. It, it's 3, I think in the confession it says three sixteen through 19. But it says, For this reason I bow my knees, Paul said, before the Father, from from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. See, there's that idea. We talked about this last week from Ezekiel 36. Where does the power and ability uh, for our good works come from? And where do our good works come from? From the spirit within us. That's what he said. I will put my spirit in you and make you walk in my statutes. And so, and here's what Paul's, he's in it, this is what Paul's praying for the church, that very thing, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Because, again, that's our goal, right? To know the love of God in Christ Jesus. And then all these things come out of that. Our, our desire, our obedience, all of it is from that. Um, let's go to... Do you wanna, anybody want to say anything about that or got any comments before I move to the next section? No, we talked about that chapter, I mean, that paragraph last week at, at length. But uh, let's look at section two. This sanctification extends throughout the whole person. Though it is never completed in this life, some correct corruption remains in every part. From this arises a continual and irreconcilable war. That desire with the desires of the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. That's a pretty strong statement, but it's all scripture. We'll look, I mean, you know, Galatians 5 is one of those great places that I think it's Galatians 5 that points out, um, yeah, 
This idea, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. It's kind of like Romans 7, too, where Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And that's what the confession is pointing out. Hey, there's this war now. Because you're, you have this, you've been regenerated, but this flesh is still there. But I like how it points out this. That in every part, how does it say it? Some corruption remains in every part. Some corruption remains, I'm flipping back and forth from internet to this thing, I'm trying to keep up. Uh, every, some corruption remains in every part. But I think it's important to, to just part there for just a second because I think we fail to realize that sometimes. Okay, I am redeemed, but in my flesh, there's still every stitch in my flesh that still wants to be sinful. Some part of my flesh. Now, not my redeemed, uh, the, the spirit within me is warring against that flesh. But I, again, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to say this because don't, I don't want you to be too frustrated and discouraged because there's still some sin that you're battling with that you think should be gone. Because a lot of us were taught that, right? But that's when, the other side of the weakened part of it. Yeah. You, you want to see some things being weakened, but then you've got this war going on where it feels like it's getting stronger. But yeah. I think it's the war that you're recognizing more now. At least you recognize the war. That means that's right. something's yes, going right. on. Right. But see, since it points that out, this irreconcilable war, it says, from this arises. So what I love about that is though corruption remains in every part, sanctification reaches every part. Right. So there's a war in every part. And that's the, that's the good news for those of us who are redeemed is that, okay, I've got this sinful flesh to deal with, but the Spirit of God in me is battling at every point of that. So that this continual... Irreconcilable war is going to move on, but eventually, and this gets to the next section, um, the Spirit's going to win. And it also says, um, it goes on, it's, it's sort of twofold, this battle, in every part of the being, throughout the entire life of that being, which would mean uh, the sanctification process is going to continue until it's complete. And this it's going to be finished. And um, I think, unfortunately, we, we sometimes think it's going to be finished now. Like, I'm ready. You know, when am I going to be totally sanctified? Well, when you're with Jesus, you'll be totally sanctified. But, and, and a lot of things, too, we, we sometimes we I don't know that we can even really see everything, every bit of this war, right? We can't even see the places that it's being fought, in the places that sin is being relinquished and even killed and destroyed. But it is real that we, I mean, the Bible says uh, instructs us to do th- these things, put this to death, turn from it, walk away from it, abstain from it. Now, again, we know that, okay, in my flesh, I can't do that. 
But we have confidence that if the Spirit of God is within me and He is sanctifying me in every part of my life and He's promised to put His Spirit within me and make me to walk in His statutes, then I can be confident that these things eventually I will be able to walk from away from them. They will become weaker. They will become less and less of a thing for me. And again, it's because we're abiding in Christ and because he, uh, we belong to him. And this is real. I mean, um, it, it's, a, it's a, a balance between two important truths. The Spirit provides the sanctifying strength to believers while we do have to press after evangelical obedience. Well, we have to do that. We can't just say, well, okay, the Bible tells me to do this, but I can't do it. So I'm not going, you know, just who cares? The Bible says flee from youthful lust, but I can't, my flesh, so forget it. No, I have to. Because, again, the Spirit that God has promised to put in me, He has put in me, and what He causes me to do, I still have to do it. And it's not, even though we all understand, um, if you have overcome if you have an overcoming moment and you see that sin has been destroyed in a certain part of your life and you're now in obedience, you recognize, well, that's not because I'm just a better Christian than some people. This is God in the victory of Jesus in my life. But yet it's still proper to say, um, be obedient. And it's still proper to preach the law, right? There was a, a, one of our forefathers, John Flavel, I don't know if you've ever heard that name, but he commented on this distinction he said the power of believing be derived from god yet the act of believing is properly our act though the power which we believe be of god in other words he's saying what i just said i mean i can say uh to any of you but i can say brian repent and if he repents he knows that well god gave me repentance and i was able to repent but it still was Brian that repented. We don't say, well, look at there, God repented. Because God doesn't repent. But, and that's what he's saying, and he goes on to say, or else, if we don't believe that and get that distinction, then in any act of grace or faith or repentance or obedience, we'd have to say God believes or God repents or God obeyed. And that's not right. Now, it's right to say Jesus obeyed on our behalf, and now he's making me obey. But really, my hope is in his obedience, not mine. But it's still, you see, there's this little, there's this tightrope to walk that we can't just say, case or wrong. You know, hey, what will be will be. No, we have to preach the law of God because for us as believers, the law is our guide to tell us how to live. And it's the thing we have to obey. So when, when and I'm not talking about just the Old Testament law or the Ten Commandments, I'm talking about the law of Christ, any time where the Bible says do this, then we are commanded and under responsibility to do it. Now we all recognize, hopefully you all recognize too by now, okay, but I can't do that. I know, but Jesus did. And now the spirit of Jesus is within you. So trust God that he's going to cause you to do this. But again, be careful because your flesh will want you to turn around and say, man, I'm so good at this now. And, and you'll have a tendency to look at other people and think, why can't you just do this? I did it. You do it. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to pray that God does the same thing for you that he did for me. And, and it's not wrong to say, run after this. 
flee these things. Stop doing these things. Turn from this. And I think hearing that is good because that law no longer condemns us as Christians. There is no condemnation now for those of us who are in Christ. But the law does beckon us to obedience. And I think that's the difference. Now, to a lost person, they hear the law and it does condemn. Wow, this is too. I can't be that. I can't be perfect. Okay, no, but Christ is perfect, and that's your hope of fulfilling the law. And for us, we know Christ did fulfill the law, so I know I'm not perfect, but yet God has loved me and saved me and brought me into his family, and now he's given me this law, which I'm told is good. So now, obey it. And when I don't, I turn back to him, and I trust him to help me obey it. So that whenever it does happen, the only thing I can do is thank God for that obedience because it's it's willful obedience and see this is what people don't understand well you 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 people that teach the doctrines of grace or you Calvinists whatever you want to call us y'all just believe that God just you know we talked about this last week God just makes y'all a bunch of robots no I willfully obey and I willfully disobey but when I willfully obey it's because of the grace of God that he's given me to obey it's not because of me when I willfully disobey that's all on me Nobody came to Christ uh, unwillingly. Everybody came willingly. Now, it might have been after a long time. It might have been like Paul. He might have got knocked off a horse and didn't have no choice. But whatever way God chooses to do that, he does it. But you come willingly. When you come, you come willingly. And when you obey, you obey willingly. But anyways, anybody want to comment on that? Y'all just let me keep talking. Look at section three. This one's good too. In this war, this irreconcilable war between the flesh and spirit, the remaining corruption may greatly prevail for a time. Okay? Yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part overcomes. And there is that part I'm talking about. Hey, here's the hope. So what if it takes you ten years? It only took me one. Or it takes you six months and I'm still battling with it. If the promises of God are true, then the sanctifying grace of God and the Spirit of Christ in you will overcome the sin in your life. I mean, right? And that I think that's what the Bible says. Now, I'm not saying you may make it all the way to glory. And I mean, obviously, we're all going to make it to glory. And there's still some things we didn't completely overcome. But then we will. And that's what I think this is saying. The regenerate part will overcome. And mostly it will overcome in this life, but certainly in the next life. So the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's almost straight out of Scripture. I think maybe that 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians passage or 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. They pursue a heavenly life in gospel obedience to all the commands that Christ as head and king has given them in his word. And again, that's just true, right? We find ourselves pursuing a heavenly life. Not in every single little tiny aspect of our lives. We wish it were that way. But all of us would have to say, hopefully you can say even if you've, you've been a Christian for a little while or for a long while, man, there are places in my life that I'm pursuing a heavenly life where I used to not be. In gospel obedience to all the commands. And, and you know, this is one of the things that bothers me about all the stuff that's going on now where people are trying to say, well, that's sin. I mean, come on, you just need to 
love these people. Let's let's don't talk about that sin. No, sanctification, gospel sanctification will produce gospel obedience to all the commands that God's given. Not some of them. That Christ is the head and king. Those that he's given us in his word. And we have to make sure that we don't lessen or try to soften or try to certainly decide something that God's called sin is not. Even if it hurts us. Even if it's people we love. And, and I, do, I do agree with a lot of what's going on in this. We could be nicer. You know, I think um, gospel kindness is always in order. And we can rebuke evil and wickedness and sin and not be hateful in doing it. Right? I mean, I know we saw last week Christ overturning the tables. And he could do that completely righteously. No anger. No sinful anger at all. He had righteous indignation. We wouldn't be able to do that. Or I can't. I've never, I don't know that I've ever been angry and not sinned. Um, I don't know how to do that well. But when Christ is teaching people, even sinners and, and Pharisees and you know religious, zealot, self-righteous people, he teaches them. And um, I don't think he's angry with them. I think he's just, hey, here's the truth. Walk away from it. And, uh, but... I said this a little bit earlier. I want to point this out. No two people's sanctification will be the same, I don't think. Now, there's some things that we'll all come to together. I mean, and again, we ought to all be able to agree on this body of truth. But I think it's not right to look at people and assume that their sanctification is going to be just like yours. Right? And sometimes, look, I've had to really struggle with this with my own children because I've, I've, been, I've tried to look for things that, Maybe it's not time for them, you know, I'm not trusting God to do. I want to do it for them. Hey, it's time for you. Now, as parents, I know we got, you know, we got, they got to obey our rules. Hey, we, we make them walk a straight line, all those things. But I'm talking about real, I'm talking about spiritual sanctification. Um, hey, you know, I'm just trusting that in time God's going to, and I'm starting to see little bits of that, you know, where I used to try to make it happen and I couldn't. And now I'm seeing God starting to do it. And it's such an awesome thing. And I want—I think that's important for us to uh, be reminded of. All of our sanctification might look different because all of our sin is somewhat different. But uh, it's easy for us to look at people sometime and just think, oh, God, they're not getting it. Well, maybe they're getting it in places we don't, but they're not getting it in places we do. Um, and so, that again, that's why the only remedy we have, the only... Um, option we have is to preach the gospel and let the gospel the law and the gospel and by the spirit of God it will teach people what they need to leave and what they need to run to right um, so even though it won't look the same God will complete it in all of his people and it will be what it's supposed to be um, pressing after heavenly life I mentioned that uh, and that's what we do Again, we don't run after the heaven and the life in order to attain it. We run after the heaven and the life because that's what we've been given, right? We're not, I mentioned this before, and I think it's a good way to look at it. Everything that we do in Christ is because of and not in order that. So we're not running, we're not trying to obey in order that God will love us more, give us something in return. You know, that's the problem with the prosperity gospel. Hey, if you'll, if you'll do this, then God will give you everything you want. If you'll, if you'll obey him, of course, it's usually obey the. If you obey me, 
and give me some more money, then God will bless you and give you money. But the gospel, I think, teaches us more. Hey, just like what Paul said in that prayer, I want, I want, I'm praying that you'll understand this, that you're rooted in love. And because you're rooted in love, then comes the sanctification. Then comes the stuff that you do. In other words, again, it's because of and not in order that. Um, I had 2 Corinthians 3.18. I don't know why. Let's look at it and see. It's one of the passages that's in there. What did I say? 3.18? Oh, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. See, there's the idea. From one degree of glory to another. where It's unfolding. And um, I think that's a beautiful picture of sanctification right there. This un, uh, uh, from, one glory, from one degree of glory to another. Anybody want to comment at all? I'm just thinking what you were saying also. It's encouragement to me to not compare myself with with others. Like I shouldn't be looking at John and being like, well, I'm just crappy because I'm not where John is. Right. And I guess vice versa, I shouldn't, you know, John shouldn't be looking at my life and right. saying, Oh, well, I'm not where he is or I'm past that, so he's not where I'm at. So right. you know. Especially not in a discouraging manner. Now, if you look at somebody and say, "Man, I, you know, God's really blessed, blessed our brother, and he's, I see he's growing in grace." I mean, but yeah, if, if it's if it's pushing you down to say, "I'm not like him," well, again, you need to be, you know, all yeah. of us we need to be looking at Christ and not, yeah, not, not each other, yeah. and look to Him to sanctify you in the ways you and trust Him. Okay, Lord, I mean. How do, you, how do you go about encouraging somebody, though, who's kind of down on themselves because they haven't felt like they're being sanctified enough or they're not seeing the Now, they see the struggle. Right. But they feel like they're not overcoming fast enough. They should be better. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know of anybody that don't feel that way because I do. I mean, sometimes I think, man, 30-something years I've been, I've been doing this, and why don't I know more Scripture? Why don't I obey in this area more why do I you know and of course I know it's my fault and it's my flesh but I, I do think it's always important just to try to get people again just look back to Christ and think about who he is quit thinking about what you are and what you're not and think about who he is and just try I mean I think this is a good way to think about it. just trust that he will I mean even if you had this uh, section of the confession look at this Trust that he's going to do this. It is going to overcome. And it might not be when you want it to, but, but at the same time, don't stop running after that. I mean, you know, to, you know to stop doing this, so pray that God will help you stop doing this. I, I was talking to a friend of mine this week, a real good friend. He has a son that was uh, on drugs for a long time, and they've had to make some hard decisions, just, I mean, like basically kick him out until he went. He got in drug rehab. He's been in and out, you know, a whole story, in and out of jail, in and out of drug rehab. And he said this last time, it's been about two years ago now, he picked him up from, uh, I don't know if he said rehab or jail. 
But anyways, he asked him again. He said, well, you think you're going to be done with this or are you going to keep doing it? And he said, usually every time in the past, he's like, yeah, I'm done, man. I'm not going to do this again. And he said, this time he looked at me and said, if, if it's God's will for me to be done, then I'm going to be done and I'm going to quit and I'm not going to do it anymore. And he said, you know, now it's only been a couple years. He said, he's never, that I know of, he's never been back. He's found a, a girl. They've got married. They've already had a child. He's got a job. He's risen up to like manager at this job. He's making great money. Now, of course, that could fall apart if you want to be pessimistic. And it could. But he said, I really believe. Now, for him, my friend, he said, I believe that God heard that prayer and that thought. I said, well, I, I get that. But I said, to me, the fact that he recognized the only hope he had was for God to do it, then God has already done something that nobody else could do. Convinced him that the only hope he has to get past this is God. And if God does it, then he can do it. And I said, that's amazing. And to me, that's the, that's the, that's the way to look at sanctification. Now, again, that's I know. That's the only way you're yeah. ever going to make it anyway. Yes. Back, you know, like you were saying, and it's not right to just say, okay, well, he's going to fix it and I don't do nothing. You know, that's not right either. But because you know he's going to fix it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I've been in that boat many times. You know, you just have, I think you, you sit here and you, you have to say, at least I'm thinking about it, you know, it, up until I reach this point in my progression, I guess you'd say, I never would have thought of that. But now at least you're thinking about it. Hey, he's working in you. Be patient. I used to run after it. Now I'm at least struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. There's nothing. That's a lot now. Seeing where I came from and how I've not on my own, obviously, but how I changed and just my thought process of things. And me and recognizing that I know I'm not going to get to where I need to go without him is right. the biggest thing. Yeah. All right, but basically, uh, also though, we need. Uh, examples, and we also need um, uh, uh, admonitions. Uh, and so, but, but I mean, it's not uh, I'm better than you, and you, you know, you own up to where I am. But basically, what Paul said was, he said, he said, follow me. I'm following Christ. Yeah, Christ is right. the So the situation yeah. is that, uh, that you know, what he's saying is that uh, we do have uh, a corporate responsibility uh, yeah. to literally uh, walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling. That's, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, exactly. And like what a... Yeah, and and yeah, and back to what we were talking about earlier. With it's not wrong to look at somebody and say, "Wow, that, you know, God's really blessed that guy and or that lady." And um, I trust He'll do the same for me and get me somewhere. And and like you said, it's uh, Paul even said, "You have us in a, as an example." Yeah, and um, because again, we're warned not to be a stumbling block to others and don't uh, don't hinder those. There's a certain below. amount of trust that has to come from that, and and, and I mean you. You've got to feel comfortable sharing some of these burdens with the right. people you're around. So that's right. got to, that's something that you've got to work on through prayer or whatever else. Yeah, to be able to say yeah. I'm not where he, I'm not where you are, or, or I have this and even right, do. and even help me to 
help me to get there because you've obviously God has overcome this in your life so help me to you know and, and, and even though it might not be the same for you like we said it's not wrong to have those examples and say well you know at least I've got an example right here somebody that does I see that God does this for people and so if he does it for them surely he can do it for me and again like I said at the beginning uh, Kim mentioned that corporate view I think that's the way we need to view all this because the gospel graces, I believe, I mean, the whole Bible is written to the church, not to individuals out there living there. You know, like I see every day, people that hadn't, haven't been in church in 50 years, but them and God are just fine. There's no problems. And I believe that they're, what they, they've just been told a lie. They're missing out on so much of the grace of God that comes from us being together. Yeah, it's a body. Yeah, it is a body. It's a body. It, yeah. The other, the other thing is that uh, uh, if uh, you are uh, constantly in the Word, uh, you can't help but be convicted uh, in certain areas. Uh, and basically, the situation is that, uh, uh, that what happens is that uh, uh, that is a mechanism that is. Uh, at God's disposal uh, to literally uh, start to uh, uh, start to chip away at some of the uh, uh, the bad stuff. Yeah, absolutely. In in fact, um, that was that was one way that the confession put it. Something I can't remember exactly, but it it, it mentioned uh, might be in the first section. But anyways, it talks about the word, the spirit and the word, and that's the way these that's the way these things come about. Yeah, absolutely. And being sitting under the word too, you know. Well, so. yeah. I mean, that's uh, that gets really convicting. Yeah, they're further sanctified, really and personally, through the same power by His word and spirit which dwells in them. So, you know, what did David say? Your word I've hid hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, and again. Uh, I think those, like you said, why? Because the Word, the Spirit uses the Word to sanctify me. Not because if I memorize Bible verses, I won't sin no more. You know, I don't think that's no, what no, that means. <laughs> I wish it meant that. That would be easy. It's, it's, it's amazing, though, uh, uh, the conviction that uh, uh, is wrought uh, when, uh, uh, when you're staring at the... Uh, Oh, absolutely. Yep. Well, that spirit that's warring against our flesh uh, is the word, and it, it, that's where the battle comes from. Yeah. But, um, all right. Well, let me pray, and we'll dismiss. If you want to keep talking, I'll be fine. Father, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you for the sanctifying grace that you've given us in Christ. And, Lord, I do thank you that you're doing a great and awesome work in every one of us, your people. Um, and I pray that you would... Um, Give us grace to see that and encouragement to know that because we belong to Christ and we are united with him, um, that this sanctifying grace will continue and this war will rage, but eventually the spirit will overcome and uh, sin will, will be dead to us and will be, uh, will be destroyed. And we praise you for that and um, look forward to the day when it's completely gone and it's never a worry again in Jesus' name.